1: You're listening to a podcast from The Pool. Hi, I'm Viv Groskop, your pool agony aunt, and this is Waving Not Drowning, where I'll discuss how to combat your problems and solve your emotional issues. On this week's Dear Viv, dealing with a family fallout, drifting apart from a best friend, handling parents with offensive views, and when to talk to your daughter about sex. our first question this week. Dear Viv, my two brothers, aged 37 and 42, had a falling out and are no longer speaking. The younger one believes he is the victim and refuses to speak to the other until he gets a sufficient apology. The older brother believes he has apologised and doesn't want to engage in further discussion. It's extremely difficult now for the rest of the family as the younger brother is avoiding family gatherings and resents us for speaking to the brother who wronged him. Personally, I think life is too short to be estranged and they should just put their problems in the past. Any advice? Oh, dear sister with warring brothers, what a mess. Of course, I have some advice because I am dear Viv and dear Viv always has to have advice. But I can't promise it's going to solve everything. As in my experience, these cases are a bit like that line in Tolstoy. All happy families are alike. All unhappy families are each unhappy in their own special way. So there's no one size fits all answer to this question. Your brothers might make up out of the blue... Or they might be estranged for decades. I've known cases where both of these things have happened, and it's not often easy to tell them apart. Frequently, where these cases resolve themselves, there is a catalyst. A baby is born, someone in the family dies, a parent gets ill, there's a crisis of some kind. These are the things that make warring siblings realise that the earth does not revolve around them and life is bigger than their little feud. But sometimes even these things don't cut through. I think the most productive and useful thing for you to do is to stop focusing on them because you can't control or influence their behaviour. Focus instead on yourself, build a relationship with each of them separately. If they ask your opinion about what has happened, you can be honest about how you feel about it, but don't expect anything to change. So the younger brother is avoiding family gatherings. Too bad. Get over it. So he resents you for speaking to the older brother. Again, too bad. He's just going to have to get used to it. Don't get drawn into it. Make this a thing that is between the two of them that you don't get dragged into. Make as little of it as you can and behave as if it's entirely their problem, which of course it is. I'm sure your feelings amongst all this are horrible and you're deeply annoyed and upset with the two of them. But I think you're just going to have to swallow all that bit and get on with your life, however frustrating that may be. There comes a point where we have to realise that sometimes other people are going to be silly, and there's nothing we can do about it except shrug and say, Oh dear, they are being silly. Your only hope is that by doing this, the two of them might look up one day and say, How could we be so silly? I have seen it happen. But I have also seen people be silly until one of them dies and it's too late. In both cases though it is not your problem so make it clear to them and more importantly to yourself that you are not going to live with this as your problem. This is the new situation unfortunately that you have to build a relationship with two more or less new brothers who won't talk to each other. It's not what you choose but it's what you've got. Accept it and get on with your life without trying to interfere in theirs. It's the only way to stay sane and not become as silly as they are. Our next question this week. Diviv, my best friend of 20 years might not be my BFF after all, and maybe it's only history keeping us together. We met when we were 17 and have shared a lifetime of parties, clubs and friendship together. There was even a time when I had a Diana and Camilla moment where she was so close that she became the Camilla in the relationship with my boyfriend. Fast forward 20 years and our lives have taken different paths. I have a house and a child and she still lives in the same flat. We still see each other but only once every two months and even then I keep wondering why are we holding on? Dear Diana, I'm going to call you that as you seem to have identified your friend as Camilla. I couldn't quite get my head around all this. Uh, I wasn't sure if you, the Diana figure, are still with the same Prince Charles or you're already with someone else. Anyway, let me say this. From the outside, this seems a much more complicated friendship than you have painted with the initial lines of your letter. (laughs) It's not just a history that you have together of partying and clubbing. There's some other messier stuff there too, isn't there? That stuff can get swept under the carpet, but it never quite goes away. I will link it to Diana and Camilla, seeing as you're the one who brought the two of them up. Do you think those two were friends or that they could even be in the same room together? It's telling that you mentioned that connection because you couldn't hope to meet two people who are less likely to have been friends. So what's tying you to this friend now? Habit, history, codependence? Have you clung on to her in some strange way to prove that you didn't mind her coming after your boyfriend when deep down you really did mind a lot? Maybe she's clung to you because she didn't want to feel so bad about it. We all do these dysfunctional things to try and make the best of bad situations. But what has happened in the past doesn't really matter now. It's great to have shared memories in a friendship, but you can't build a present friendship on memories. So does your friendship have a place in the here and now? It doesn't matter at all whether she has children and you don't or whether she lives in the same flat that you've moved house. What matters is how you make each other feel. Do you make each other laugh? Do you feel supported and warm in her company? Do you feel like she's got your back and is on your side no matter what? Does she celebrate when things go well for you? And does she empathise when things are tough? These are the questions to answer. The answers to these questions are the definition of a good friend. Someone who doesn't do these things for you is not a good friend. There may be an acquaintance or a colleague or someone you used to know well. But those questions are the ultimate test. There's no point in getting upset if this friendship has outstayed its welcome in your life. Just say goodbye to it secretly in your heart and move on. You don't even need to tell your friend. Just make some excuses and see her less. Who knows, there might come a time when something pulls you back together again. So leave it open and don't have any awkward final moments. You already know the answer to this in your own heart, I think. Either she makes you feel good about yourself and your life or she doesn't. It doesn't matter how many party nights you had in the past. What matters is how she makes you feel now. Our next question this week. Dear Viv, my parents have frankly offensive views. How do I explain this to my children? I love this question. Good to keep it simple and short, right? I do wish you told us more, though, about your parents' offensive views. I love people with offensive views. They're always good for a laugh. Now, the interesting thing to remember here is that your children may grow up to share your parents' offensive views. One person's offensive view is another person's beautiful truth. Your children may even grow up to believe that your views are extremely offensive. We live in a democracy, unfortunately, and not everyone can think the same as us. So the trick is not to bring up your children to think the same as you, something your parents clearly failed at. So maybe they're not that bad after all. The trick is to bring your children up to think for themselves, something at which your parents clearly succeeded. So I would follow this advice. Just point out to your children how many different views there are in the world and explain the different merits and ideas behind these views. Then let them decide for themselves. It's much better for them to know about different views and be able to argue that difference than it is for them to think that there's only one way of looking at the world. One more point just as something to think about. Try not to get hung up about your parents' views. They're unlikely to change their views now and you might as well find a way to get on with them by staying away from opinions as much as possible and focusing on the things you do love about them. Easier said than done, I know, but I just thought I'd mention it. Our last question this week. Dear Viv, I had the periods chat with my seven-year-old daughter a couple of years ago along with the bare bones of sex education. She knows a baby is made from an egg from the woman and sperm from the man but crucially hasn't yet asked how one gets to the other. I'm sure the playground whispers are starting and I'm torn between wanting to tell her before she hears about it from her friends yet not wanting to burst the bubble of innocence. I feel like on the one hand I'm trying to keep the magic of Father Christmas alive and then on the other I'm trying to prematurely give her adult information she maybe doesn't yet want. What's best, to wait until she asks even if it means she doesn't hear it from me first or just have the big chat? Oh dear, I don't feel qualified to answer this question. If I stay at my parents' house at Christmas, Father Christmas still visits me. So I am definitely one for maintaining bubbles at all costs. There are lots of differing opinions on this, both the Father Christmas question and the birds and bees question. Some people think it's wrong to hide anything from children and that we abuse their trust by not telling it like it is others think that childhood is special and magical and you might as well prolong that innocence as long as you possibly can. I can't tell you which way to think but I can help you to feel that you do know the answer yourself. You are a unique parent and your child is a unique child. Only you can know what your child needs to know and what you want her to know and only you can judge when the time is right for that. It sounds as if you've been pretty good at following your instincts up until now so don't be afraid to keep trusting them. You might come to different conclusions than other parents but stick to your guns. You know what's right for your situation and your child. Take comfort in the fact that there's no one right answer to this and that whatever you do your child is always likely to find out information that is shocking, surprising or upsetting. Just be on hand for those moments as you know life is full of them. Being there for your child, helping her to listen and process things is the most important thing of all. That's all for today. If you have a problem you'd like to submit, please send your email to dearviv at thepoolltd.com or tweet us at thepooluk. Thanks for listening. Join
0: us again soon and sign into the pool.com where you can get more content specifically made by us for women like you. We hope we see you there. Hold up.